0: Skeletons and shivers down your spine Shrieking skulls will shock your soul And seal your doom tonight Spooky, scary skeletons Speak with such a screech You'll shake and shudder in surprise When you hear these zombies shriek. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 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 You only want to specialize I <laughs> First thing I got specifically Slender Man
0: trailer.
1: Yes. Why? Okay, yeah. so here's here's my thing. I love it and I hate it. I love the part, there's an extended one that I saw. I saw that I, I like, wanted
0: that That I like a lot.
1: Okay. Because you kind of see him. And he has these big fucking like fingers that just like fucking spread out and like consume the screen it's fucking awesome and its head is just like marbled and like gross and like kind of like veiny and it's but it's all blank and i didn't see a suit but like i saw enough of the this he does this like motion and the girl like and like falls back and the camera just follows her and it's so fucking cool looking i need to see that it's awesome it's like two seconds but it looks cool so I love that, and I love the, he gets inside of your head and you see the shadow growing, and you see the shadow passing by the window. I love the the forest where she's hiding behind the tree and you look in the distance and it's kind of Stranger Things-esque where you see something that kind of looks like a person but it's off, and it moves a little weirdly, and then she turns around like it's gone. Like, you know, I love that shit. Definitely. I want it to be a creature feature. I like the shot. Of the chick taking the scalpel to her face and how they cut away right when it right during the impact and it hits the kid next to her, I think that's really cool. What I dislike about this entire thing yep. is the fact that it's about little girls. Mm-hmm. Is the fact that they need to rely on shitty early two thousands and early nineties and late nineties uh, horror tactics like mo- like motion blurs and bugs and like things that the Japanese created 20 fucking years ago to scare people. A movie about a fucking creepypasta monster shouldn't be relying on that shit. Come on. You have you have so many fucking sources of material to draw from and you bring me proto ring horror bullshit. I guess if I want my Slenderman movie to be like anything, I guess Ring is like an okay thing for it to be like. But the ultimate answer is Slenderman isn't like fucking anything else in horror right now. And I see you, Bagool. Anyway,
0: so what do you? I need I need your thoughts. Yeah, I think that as someone who really respects a lot of things like creepypastas, do you respect, respect Slenderman? I respect slender man's ability to through things like the original marble hornets that's what i mean like Um, were you into
1: everyman hybrid were you into um you were obviously into to marble hornets there's another there's another one there's a third one that that does it really good it's like third fuck i'm really bad with names today dude no worries there's another one with everyman hybrid and i forgot its name but it's i know the symbol they're they're well known they have a like they have eight to ten hours worth of material on, you know, an episodic series of Slenderman bullshit on YouTube. like.
0: And I love that you get to see all these different visions because to me it's kind of like, this is going to sound so odd, Mad Max, where there's different versions of different tales of him. Sure, sure. Like the Fury Road version, like, it's still him. It's still Mad Max, but yeah. it's a different take on it. Same personality, same Slenderman in this case, right? Yeah. It's still the Slenderman, but maybe he looks a little different. Maybe he has longer maybe the, fingers. Maybe the powers are a little different. Yeah, But it's still Slenderman. See, my problem is, I,
1: I like that too, but my problem with the Hollywood version is... Hollywood. Hollywood. It's Hollywood. That's a good point. Okay, just to elaborate, I don't like it being about little girls because I do think that's insensitive. Um the thing that happened, you know, anyone listening to this episode. I'm here with Gestalt, but the episode I'm referencing right now is episode 16 with Django. Yep. We watched the documentary and we recorded some talks. I think the talks come up in episode 22 with Django, but we do a Slenderman special and we talk about it and we we make a lot of jokes. On the two little girls who tried stabbing... You know, the third one... Um, because all three of them were into Sunderman... And, you know, they liked to pal around and do stupid shit... We were all kids once we all did stupid shit... This really fucked a lot of families up... And... The girl was schizophrenic... The one who... Did the stabbing... Yep. And... Wanted to do the stabbing... Like... This is a medical and health thing... Like... Anyway... There came a point where someone was writing the Slenderman movie and said, Wow, that was horrifying and relevant. Let's try and do it. And then, like, four years pass, and they finally get around to making a movie about it. And now it's at the point where I just feel like it's distasteful. And I think, like, there's been enough time that we don't need to be reminded, and they could just base it off of something else. I'm glad that it's women, I guess, because horror and women... Work well. Final Girls, etc. That's what I mean. Um, Clichés, mm-hmm. tropes. Some of them work well. This could have been a Marble Hornets for, for Hollywood. And I'm not talking the uh, <laughs> the movie that was released like two years ago. So I'll talk about it. That Marble Hornets actually made. Like they, they were given a budget and actual actors from Hollywood to work with. It's so bad. And I don't want to talk about it's, it. it was, what was it called? The. Uh, The proprietor? No, what do they... is not the
0: proprietor, no. No, no, no.
1: What do they call him in Marvel Well, he's a something
0: proxy, but I don't remember... No, he
1: proxies people, but there's... Conductor? No, that sounds stupid. They give him a name. Yes.
0: They give Slendy a name. And... And it changes the lore a little bit. Which, I know, I understand, they want to do fun, they want to do different, they want to shake it up, but guess what? It didn't work at the end. It was... Oh, sure, yeah. It was... And I'm saying, I know you agree with that, I'm saying it just, it sucks that... You'd expect it to be that the passion project, Marble Hornets, would have worked. I don't think this is going to be good. I think there's going to be fun moments. I'm never the kind of guy who says, wow, there's an urban legend story. It's going to work great with Hollywood because Hollywood's great with urban legend stories unless it's a really small indie studio who's doing it out of passion, not out of money. That's, that's
1: understandable. But you really don't think this is going to have any redeemable qualities? Okay, so if you, f- if you feel mm. like that, which is okay, yeah. by the way, do you think it's going to make a lot of money?
0: So, my opinion on that is, depends on what's released. I don't remember. And if it gets enough bad buzz, that's good for it.
1: No, I, I agree. If it gets
0: enough people... Here's my thing. Mm-hmm. Go for it.
1: I know I'm probably not going to like it, but what I want from it is to make a lot of money. Because, ladies and gents, that's what this entire fucking show is about. It's about Reddit no sleeps and creepy pastas and unsettling stories, and... There, what we've been doing lately, and what I find ourselves having done since like fifty, is just reading some of the best shit you will ever find. Like, and it, most definitely, and it's just done by these. You know, some of them get published. Some of them get published. They're so good. And what what Hollywood could use an injection of is some original, trope light, twist heavy, independent horror that is be a just godsend that is just free to come by because the internet already supplied them with an outline of how to move their plot like uh, what what channel 0 is doing on sci-fi yeah. is like god's work man like both seasons have floored me the acting is great the cinematography is amazing i was
0: surprised by that for sci-fi
1: and the budgets are small and and the and the outcomes have su- thankfully been successful and we're getting a season three
0: which is amazing and I'm surprised so
1: that's been that's been going well on that front but what we need is more a Hollywood to get with the fucking you know message and by that I mean Slender Man needs to do well yeah and when I mean like well I mean it's probably on what a less than 50 mil budget 30 Give mil it thirty five around 30 yeah around um, 30 million yeah. it needs to make double it needs to make triple that like it needs to cuz we can't depend on bloomhouse for all of our horror movies we can't people like mm-hmm. bloomhouse they don't they don't deserve all of your money and the more you give to another insidious movie the more you give to another conjuring or spin-off conjuring movie like the less original they get and the less you know, like a breath of fresh air that they are. And they are, for the horror scene, uh, at least relatively right now. Um, I haven't found any of them too fucking terrible. Uh, Did you see the new Insidious? Nope. Is it... Do you plan on it? I think it's the fourth one. The third one was garbage.
0: Yeah, um, I'm gonna watch it just because as I go more into the cinema business myself, I am trying to pick apart anything good from anything. Even... God-awful movies like that new... The Bye-Bye Man? Well, the thi- Yeah. Stuff like that. I just want to find... We still learn stuff. We still learn one or two things.
1: I guess you could watch Insidious then. Because there isn't... There isn't much stuff like Insidious that ignores kind of eastern slash fan y ways of approaching their subjects, like... Like Insidious is all about how there's a there's a dark dimension full of ghosts and yep. and we have to astroproject to get there. We have to use our powers to and the keys, so many keys, and very my very hands, distant. my hands are keys. Clink, clink. Right, you know, like that's the new Insidious movie. I just saved you f- admission price, people, because that's it. That's the movie. I think it's it's both lazy, but like Hollywood hasn't done anything like that. You know, you I shit on Barker so much, but he was doing something very lovecraftian and very like super brutal and super super gory, but ultimately it still had like a something running it, like something supplying the power to the series. Yeah, that, there that was always weird. that made you intrigue. think that yes. Yeah. And and the curiousness, and it's like a disease. And so I I'm I think I care less. About the Insidious series, the longer it goes on.
0: Surely, um, same here.
1: I do like that older chick who kind of is like the main character of the series now. I do like her. You, uh, you see her, her tits and something about Mary. It's great. That's something I don't want to know, and I'm going to make sure to forget. That old, like 80 year old Biddy. I mean, <laughs> something about Mary was in the 90s, so yes. she's a little bit younger. She's <laughs> anyway, so like 70, and 70. So we, okay. um, so. We're here. We have a long story to read, so we really should just, like, jump into it. I don't want to keep you too long. Is there anything you want to say before we hop in? Sure.
0: I made sure to pick this out um, (laughs) with you, obviously. Yeah, I gave you... I gave... um, I started this thing where I
1: give people almost, like, prereqs, and I give them, like, a little summary without saying the title, because sometimes the title is enough for someone. Yeah. And, um... But sometimes Reddit is a little funny and won't put a title, or or the title is like a paragraph or like a uh, you know. Oh, I hundred percent know how they do that. Yeah. What I like so much about this one is it's a creepypasta,
0: which I'm into.
1: Like classic. This is classic. Um, I'm sure this was up on Reddit No Sleep at one point.
0: Uh, Sorry, I I keep cutting you off. No, I'm totally good. So you picked this out. Uh, because I saw that it had to do with night terrors and as a child and up until recently and once in a while now, I still get that childlike night terror where if you don't know what night terrors are or you think they're nightmares, it's when you're in the deep sleep and your body wakes you up and you still are in it kind of, you can't move a lot of times. I get, I get uh, paralyzed because your body keeps you you from running in your sleep from that kind of stuff
1: full disclosure I don't know if this story specifically deals with night terror it's more of like the act of I don't know if it deals with the physical act of night Uh, terrors it's more of a nightmare I'm not sure if it's a nightmare or I'm not sure if it's just shitty shit (laughs) happening at night you know totally like, I'm sure it's going to throw us for a couple loops, but I don't know if the actual term of night terror or the illicit act of night terror is going to come up, but I could see how, having lived with that, even then the kind of appeal this story would have for you. Because, like, I don't know if you remember, but you stayed over here one night when we were in high school. It. Is that what we watched?
0: Yeah. You, mean <laughs> you me and Frowns. Yeah, you, me, and Frowns ended up watching... Uh... The 1990s. It. <laughs> yeah. I didn't
1: I didn't remember what it was, but now that you told me, I'm not truly surprised. And I just remember I'm sleeping here. I think I'm on the floor. You're on the couch. We had something to sleep on, so it wasn't a big deal, and we were all sleeping down yep. here. And we had just gotten done watching, like, horror movies. <laughs> and I think this is your first time, like, sleeping over at my house. And I this is, like... I had everyone on this podcast sleep over at my house at oh, some point. Like, literally everyone. <laughs> In the middle of the fucking night... Oh, yeah. You are just... Screaming. And... When I mean screaming, like... Oh, man. Like, it was horror. You know? And... I know, like, you live with this and it's probably painful to talk about. But, like... That was nuts. And that blew my mind. And uh, what I do remember is not being able to wake you up and kind of turning to being like, uh, what do I do? And he's like, he's just like, wake him up. Wake him up. Wake him up. At first, he's like pissed off. He's like, what the fuck? (laughs) It's like, fuck. Remember him telling me that? That's hilarious. And I was just like, I was like, he can't control it. Like, you know, like, and I think it's, I, I just... At one point you just stop and you like lift your head up and you're just like, Ah, oh, sorry, man. <laughs> That's all I can do. Sorry man, what, what what's what's going on? And I was like, You were screaming and you were like, Ah oh, I'm sorry <laughs> And I was like, No, I mean what? <laughs> you know, it was it was it had to have been four, five o'clock in the morning. Oh
0: yeah. (laughs) Middle of the night. And that's, uh, what has happened most of my life is I'm not the kind of guy who would wake up screaming because a dream was scary, but because I couldn't wake up for the last five minutes, but I could hear everyone around me and I am being pretty much choked out or cut open and, and I feel pain in my dreams. I don't know why some people, most people don't apparently, but I feel like pressure and pain and, and I get dis- like, just ripped apart. And so to have that happen while hearing everyone trying to wake you up is horrific. So your that's body is screaming. Your body is screaming. But, like, it's it's kind of weird. I'd be screaming in the dream, but I couldn't hear it in the, screen, in the dream. Instead, you're hearing it in real life. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I'd wake up. And I'd be like, oh, sorry, guys. I'm going to. That's. Because I'd try to stay calm and I'd be like, "Okay, I'm gonna go back to bed now." And everyone else is usually like petrified around me, and I'm like, "Okay, good night." It was just,
1: it was just tough, you know, like to to wrap my head around that. Because at that age, at that time, I had no fucking clue about sleep paralysis or night terrors or any of that shit. And, You know, I would say only somewhere in the last five to s- like seven years have I really like understood it and like got it and like actually did research or heard about it or yeah you know it just became more of a thing it became more of something I knew about so that that helped you pick out this story because I believe the description of this story was um a child recounting things happening at night uh, under the vague list of nightmares night terrors or nighttime occurrences
0: yeah and I I just love that period of time at night where you know, like The Witcher's Hour, where yeah. you're at that moment where you're so dead tired that either, A, you woke up for some reason, you heard a noise, and then you see something moving. And, <laughs> you know, it's just your eyes playing tricks and you are in your mind. Or, B, you're still asleep, but something in your dream wakes you up. And now, even though you're in the real world safe, you have that uncomfortable vibe still running through your body. Yeah. And I love the, how disturbing the imagination is. So I'm excited to read it and see where it goes because I have no idea. I've never read that. This is bedtime. bedtime. Yeah, this is
1: bedtime from Creepy Pasta, and uh, it's a it's a long and so you know sit back, get your uh, get your snuggie, get your um no nah, don't don't get a snuggie, burn your snuggie.
0: They're itchy. Uh, ah, yeah, go I'm get terrible. a nice
1: steal the comforter off of a sibling or a partner's bed. Hundred percent, even even if they're using it take it to a completely different room and if they have their weed out take that too you know, I need to take one, anything one that to scoop yeah food
0: food for afterwards
1: food for during it's, and yeah
0: you need and, that and
1: um and you know go get comfy build a fucking fort you, you, I like doing that build some build a blanket fort um Still and a just kind of just kind of think of this as uh, a story time treat from us to you yeah i, I this is going to be this is this is an episode, it's called fucking Bedtime. This is going to be a story time kind of episode. 100%. Like, and because it's a creepypasta, I feel like it might be a little hammy. You know, I'm, I'm, And I'm totally I'm, I'm welcoming that. the ham this time. I, it's, it, it might be a mood thing. I don't know. But I, I, I think this will be a treat, because apparently it's one of the best.
0: And neither of us have read it, so that's really of us cool. of have read it. it sounds ex- wonderful. I'm excited.
1: Rock'em, sock'em. Um, so this is Bedtime, the Creepypasta bedtime is supposed to be a happy event for a tired child. For me, it was terrifying. While some children might complain about being put to bed before they have finished watching a film or playing their favorite video game, when I was a child, nighttime was something to truly fear. Somewhere in the back of my mind, it still is. As someone who is trained in the sciences, I cannot prove that what happened to me was objectively real, but I can swear that what I experienced was genuine horror, a fear which in my life, I'm glad to say, has never been equaled. I will relay it to you as best as I can, make of it what you will, but I'll be glad to just get it off my chest." I can't remember exactly when it started, but my apprehension towards falling asleep seemed to correspond with my being moved into a room of my own. I was eight years old at the time, and until then, I had shared a room quite happily with my older brother. As is perfectly understandable for a boy five years my senior, my brother eventually wished for a room of his own, and as a result, I was given the room at the back of the house. It was a small, narrow, yet oddly elongated room, large enough for a bed and a couple of chests of drawers, but not much else. I couldn't really complain because even at that age, I understood that we did not have a large house, and I had no real cause to be disappointed as my family was both loving and caring. It was a happy childhood during the day. A solitary window looked out onto our back garden, nothing out of the ordinary, but even during the day, The light which crept into that room seemed almost hesitant. As my brother was given a new bed, I was given the bunk beds, which we used to share. While I was upset about sleeping on my own, I was excited at the thought of being able to sleep in the top bunk, which seemed far more adventurous to me. (laughs) Top bunk is the fucking best. I was at the bottom. (laughs) Youngest sibling. From the very first night, I remember a strange feeling of unease creeping slowly from the back of my mind. I lay on the top bunk staring down at my action figures and cars strewn across the green-blue carpet as imaginary battles and adventures took place between the toys on the floor. I couldn't help but feel that my eyes were being slowly drawn towards the bottom bunk, as if something was moving in the corner of my eyes, something which did not wish to be seen. The bunk was empty, impeccably, made with a dark blue blanket tucked in neatly, partially covering two rather bland white pillows. I didn't think anything of it at the time, I was a child, and the noise slipping under my door from my parents' television bathed me in a warm sense of safety and well-being. I fell asleep. When you awaken from a deep sleep to something moving or stirring, it can take a few moments for you to truly understand what is happening. The fog of sleep hangs over your eyes and ears, even when lucid. Something was moving. There was no doubt about that. At first I wasn't sure what it was, everything was dark, almost pitch black, but there was enough light creeping in from outside to outline that narrowly suffocating room. Two thoughts appeared in my mind almost simultaneously. The first was that my parents were in bed because the rest of the house lay both in darkness and silence. The second thought turned to the noise, a noise which had, obviously, woken me. As the last cobwebs of sleep withered from my mind, the noise took on a more familiar form. Sometimes the simplest of sounds can be the most unnerving, a cold wind rustling through a tree outside, a neighbor's footsteps uncomfortably close, or in this case the simple sound of bedsheets rustling in the dark. That was it, bedsheets rustling in the dark, as if some disturbed sleeper was attempting to get all too comfortable in the bottom bunk. I lay there in disbelief, thinking that the noise was either my imagination or perhaps just my pet cat finding somewhere comfortable to spend the night. It was then that I noticed my door, shut as it had been as I'd fallen asleep. Perhaps my mum had checked in on me and the cat had sneaked into my room then, yeah, that must have been it. I turned to face the wall, closing my eyes in the vain hope that I could fall back asleep as I moved, the rustling noise from underneath me ceased. I thought that I must have disturbed my cat, but quickly I realized that the visitor in the bottom bunk was much less mundane than my pet trying to sleep, and much more sinister. As if alerted to and disgruntled by my presence, the disturbed sleeper began to toss and turn violently, like a child having a tantrum in their bed. I could hear the sheets twist and turn with increasing ferocity. Fear then gripped me, not like the subtle sense of unease I had experienced earlier, but now potent and terrifying. My heart raced as my eyes panicked, scanning the almost impenetrable darkness. I let out a cry. As most young boys do, I instinctively shouted on my mother. I could hear something stir on the other side of the house, but as I began to breathe a sigh of relief that my parents were coming to save me, the bunks suddenly started to shake violently, as if gripped by an earthquake, scraping against the wall. I could hear the sheets below me thrashing around as if tormented by malice. I did not want to jump down to safety, as I feared the thing in the bottom bunk would reach out and grab me, pulling me into the darkness, so I stayed there white knuckles clenching my own blanket like a shroud of protection. The wait seemed like an eternity. The door finally and thankfully burst open and I lay bathed in light while the bottom bunk, the resting place of my unwanted visitor, lay empty and peaceful. I cried and my mother consoled me, tears of fear followed by relief streaming down my face. Yet, through all the horror and relief, I did not tell her why I was so upset. I cannot explain it, but it was as though whatever had been in that bunk would return if I even so much as spoke of it or uttered a single syllable of its existence. Whether that was the truth, I do not know, but as a child I felt as if that unseen menace remained close, listening. My mother lay in the empty bunk, promised to stay there till morning. Eventually my anxiety diminished, tiredness pushed me towards the back of sleep, but I remained restless waking several times momentarily to the sound of rustling bed sheets. I remember the next day wanting to go anywhere, be anywhere, but in the narrow suffocating room it was a Saturday and I played outside quite happily with my friends. Although our house was not large, we were lucky to have a long sloping garden in the back. We played there often as much of it was overgrown and we could hide in the bushes, climb in the huge sycamore tree, which towered above all else and easily imagine ourselves in the throes of grand adventure in some untamed exotic land, as fun as it all was, occasionally my eye would turn to that small window ordinary, slight, and innocuous but for me that thin boundary was a looking glass into a strange cold pocket of dread outside the lush green surroundings of our garden filled with the smiling faces of my friends could not extinguish the creeping feeling clawing its way up my spine each hair standing on end, the feeling of something in that room, watching me play, waiting for the night when I would be alone, eagerly filled with hate. It may sound strange to you, but by the time my parents ushered me back into that room for the night, I said nothing. I didn't protest, I didn't even make an excuse as to why I couldn't sleep there. I simply and sullenly walked into that room, climbed the few steps into my top bunk and then waited. As an adult, I would be telling everyone about my experience, but even at that age, I felt almost silly to be talking about something which I really had no evidence for. I would be lying, however, if I said that this was my primary reason. I still felt that this thing would be enraged if I so much as spoke of it. It's funny how certain words can remain hidden from your mind, no matter how blatant or obvious they are. One word came to me that second night, lying there in the darkness alone, frightened, aware of a rotten change in the atmosphere, a thickening of the air as if something had displaced it. As I heard the first casual twists of the bedsheets below, the first anxious increase in my heartbeat at the realization that there was something, once again, in the bottom bunk. That word, a word which had been sent into exile, filtered up through my consciousness, breaking free of all repression, gasping for air, screaming, etching, and carving itself into my mind. Ghost. (laughs) Ghost. As this thought came to me, I noticed that my unwelcome visitor had ceased moving. The bedsheets lay calm and dormant, but they had been replaced by something far more hideous. A slow, rhythmic, rasping breath heaved and escaped from the thing below. I could imagine its chest rising and falling with each sordid wheezing and garbled breath. I shuddered and hoped beyond hope that it would leave without occurrence. The house lay as it had the previous night in a thick blanket of darkness. Silence prevailed all but for the perverted breath of my as-yet-unseen bunkmate. I lay there terrified. I just wanted this thing to go, to leave me alone. What did it want? Then something unmistakably chilling transpired. It moved. It moved in a way different from before. When it threw itself around in the bottom bunk, it seemed unrestrained, without purpose, almost animalistic. This movement, however, was driven by awareness, with purpose, with a goal in mind. For that thing lying there in the darkness, that thing which seemed intent on terrorizing a young boy calmly and nonchalantly, sat up. Its labored breathing had become louder as now only a mattress and a few flimsy wooden slats separated my body from the unearthly breath below. I lay there, my eyes filled with tears, a fear which mere words cannot relate to you or anyone else coursed through my veins. I would not have believed that this fear could have been heightened, but I was so wrong. I imagined what this thing would look like, sitting there, listing from below my mattress, hoping to catch the slightest hint that I was awake. Imagination then turned to unnerving reality. It began to touch the wooden slats, which my mattress sat on. It seemed to caress them carefully, running what I imagined to be fingers and hands across the surface of the wood. Then, with great force, it prodded angrily between the two slats into the mattress. Even through the padding, it felt as though someone had viciously stuck their fingers into my side. I let out an almighty cry and the wheezing, shaking, and moving thing in the bunk below replied in kind by violently vibrating the bunk as it had done the night before. Small flakes of paint powdered onto my blanket from the wall as the frame of the bed scraped along it backwards and forwards. Once again I was bathed in light and there stood my mother, loving, caring as she always was with a comforting hug and calming words which eventually subdued my hysteria. Of course she asked what was wrong. But I could not say more. I dared not say. I simply said one word over and over and over again.
0: Nightmare.
1: Nightmare. (laughs) This pattern of events continued for weeks, if not months. Night after night, I would awaken to the sound of rustling sheets. Each time, I would scream so as not to provide this abomination with time to prod and fuel for me. With each cry, the bed would shake violently, stopping with the arrival of my mother, who would spend the rest of the night in the bottom bunk, seemingly unaware of a sinister force torturing her son nightly. Along the way, I managed to feign illness a few times and come up with other less-than-truthful reasons for sleeping in my parents' bed, but more often than not, I would be alone for the first few hours of each night in that place. The room where the light from outside did not sit right, alone with that thing. With time, you become desensitized to almost anything, no matter how horrific. I had come to realize that, for whatever reason, this thing could not harm me when my mother was present. I am sure that the same would have been said for my father, but as loving as he was, waking him from sleep was almost impossible. After a few months, I had grown accustomed to my nightly visitor. Did not mistake this for some unearthly friendship? I detested the thing. I still feared it greatly, as I could almost sense its desires and its personality, if you could call it that. One filled with a perverted and twisted hatred, yet longing for me, of perhaps all things. My greatest fears were realized in the winter... The days grew short, and the longer nights merely provided the wretch with more opportunities. It was a difficult time for my family. My grandmother, a wonderfully kind and gentle woman, had deteriorated greatly since the death of my grandfather. My mother was trying her best to keep her in the community as long as possible. However, dementia is a cruel and degenerative illness, robbing a person of their memories one day at a time. Soon she recognized none of us, and it became clear that she would need to be moved from her house to a nursing home. Before she could be moved, my grandmother had a particularly difficult few nights and my mother decided that she would stay with her. As much as I loved my grandmother and felt nothing but anguish at her illness, to this day I feel guilty that my first thoughts were not of her, but of what my nightly visitor might do should it become aware of my mother's absence, her presence being the one thing which I was sure was protecting me from the full horror of this thing's reach. I rushed home from school that day and immediately wrenched the back the bed sheets and mattress from the lower bunk, removing all of the slots and placing an old desk, a chest of drawers, and some chairs which we kept in a cupboard where the bottom bunk used to be. I told my father I was making an office, which he found adorable, but I would be damned if I'd give that thing a place to sleep for one more night. As darkness approached, I lay there knowing my mother was not in the house. I did not know what to do. My only impulse was to sneak into her jewelry box and take a small family crucifix, which I had seen there before. While my family was not very religious at that age, I still believed in God and hoped that somehow this would protect me. Although fearful and anxious while gripping the crucifix under my pillow tightly in one hand, sleep eventually came, and as I drifted off to dream, I hoped that I would awaken in the morning without incidents. Unfortunately, that night was the most terrifying of all. I woke in. I woke gradually. The room was once again dark. As my eyes adjusted, I could gradually make out the window and the door and the walls, some toys on the shelf, and... Even to this day, I shudder to think of it, for there was no noise, no rustling of sheets, no movement at all. The room felt lifeless. Lifeless yet, not empty the nightly visitor, that unwelcome wheezing, hate-filled thing which had terrorized me night after night, was not in the bottom bunk. It was in my bed. I opened my mouth to scream, but nothing came out. Utter terror had shaken the very sound from my voice. I lay motionless. If I could not scream, I did not want to let it know I was awake. I had not yet seen it. I could only feel it, It was obscured under my blanket, I could see its outline, and I could feel its presence, but I dared not look. The weight of it pressed down on top of me, a sensation I will never forget. When I say that hours passed, I do not exaggerate, laying there motionless in the darkness, I was every bit a scared and frightened young boy. If it had been during the summer months, it would have been light by then, but the grasp of winter is long and unrelenting, and I knew it would be hours before sunrise, a sunrise which I yearned for. I was a timid child by nature, but I reached a breaking point, a moment where I could wait no more, where I could survive under this imminently deviant abomination no longer. Fear can sometimes wear you out, make you threadbare, a shell of nerves, leaving only a slightest trace of you behind. I had to get out of that bed. Then I remembered the crucifix. My hand still lay underneath the pillow, but it was empty. I slowly moved my wrist around to find it, minimizing as best as I could the sound and vibrations caused, but I could not find it. I had either knocked it off the top bunk or it had, I couldn't even bear to think of it, been taken from my hand. Without the crucifix, I lost any sense of hope. Even at a young age, you couldn't be acutely aware of what death is and intensely frightened of it. I knew I was going to die in that bed if I lay there, dormant, passive, doing nothing. I had to leave that room behind, but how? Should I leap from the bed and hope that I make it to the door? What if it's faster than me, or should I slowly slip out of the top bunk, hoping to not disturb my uncanny bedfellow? Realizing that I had not stirred when I moved, trying to find the crucifix, I began to have the strangest of thoughts. What if it was asleep? It hadn't so much as breathed since I had woken up. Perhaps it was resting, belief, believing that it had finally got me, that I was finally in its grasp, or perhaps it was toying with me. After all, it had been doing this for countless nights, and now with me under it, pinned against my mattress with no mother to protect me, maybe it was holding off, savoring its victory until the last possible moment, like a wild animal savoring its prey. I tried to breathe as shallowly as possible, and mustering every ounce of courage I could, I reached over slowly with my right hand and began to peel the blanket off of me. What I found under those covers almost stopped my heart. I did not see it, but as my hand moved the blanket, it brushed against something. Something smooth and cold. Something which felt unmistakably like a gaunt hand. I held my breath in terror as I was sure it must now have known that I was awake. Nothing. It did not stir. It felt dead. After a few moments, I placed my hand carefully further down the blanket and felt a thin, poorly formed forearm. My confidence and almost twisted sense of curiosity grew as I moved down further to a disproportionately larger bicep muscle the arm was outstretched, lying across my chest, with the hand resting on my left shoulder as if it had grabbed me in my sleep. I realized that I would have to move this cadaverous appendage if I even so much as hoped to escape its grasp. For some reason, the feeling of torn Ragged clothing on the shoulder of this nighttime invader stopped me in my tracks. Fear once again swelled in my stomach and in my chest as I recoiled my hand in disgust at the touch of straggled, oily hair. I could not bring myself to touch its face, although I wondered to this very day what it would have felt like. Dear God, it moved. It moved. It was subtle, but its grip on my shoulder and across my body strengthened. No tears came, but God, how I wanted to cry. As its hand and arm slowly coiled around me, my right leg brushed along the cool wall which the bed lay against. Of all that happened to me in that room, this was the strangest. I realized that this clutching, rancid thing which drew great delight from violating a young boy's bed was not entirely on top of me. It was sticking out from the wall like a spider striking from its lair. Suddenly, its grip moved from a slow tightening to a sudden squeeze. It pulled and clawed at my clothes as if frightened that the opportunity would soon pass. I fought against it, but its emaciated arm was too strong for me. Its head rose up, writhing and contorting under the blanket. I now realized where it was taking me, into the wall. I fought for my dear life. I cried, and suddenly my voice returned to me, yelling, screaming, but no one came. Then I realized why it was so eager to suddenly strike, why this thing had to have me now. Through my window, that window which seemed to represent so much malice from the outside, streaked hope, the first rays of sunshine. I struggled further knowing that if I could just hold on, it would soon be gone. As I fought for my life, the unearthly parasite shifted, slowly pulling itself up my chest, as its head now poking out from under the blanket, wheezing, coughing, rasping. I don't remember its features, I simply remember its breath across my face, foul and as cold as ice. As the sun broke over the horizon, that dark place, that suffocating room of contempt, was washed, bathed in sunlight. I passed out as its scrawny fingers encircled my neck, squeezing the very life from me. I awoke to my father offering to make me some breakfast, a wonderful sight indeed. I had survived the most horrible experience of my life until then and now. I moved the bed away from the wall, leaving behind the furniture I would believed would stop that thing from taking a bed. Little did I think that it would try to take mine, and me. Weeks passed without incident, yet on one cold frostbitten night I awoke to the sound of the furniture where the bunk beds used to be vibrating violently. In a moment it passed, I lay there sure I could hear a distant wheezing coming from deep within the wall finally fading into the distance. I have never told anyone this story before. To this day, I still break out in a cold sweat at the sound of bedsheets rustling in the night or a wheeze brought on by a common cold, and I certainly never sleep with my bed against a wall. Call it superstition if you will, but as I said, I cannot discount conventional explanations such as sleep paralysis, hallucination, or that of an overactive imagination, but what I can say is this. The following year... I was given a larger room on the other side of the house, and my parents took that strangely suffocating, elongated place as their bedroom. They said they didn't need a large room, just one big enough for a bed and a few things. They lasted 10 days. We moved on the 11th.
0: How cool is that? I love the intro so far. Thoughts on part one? Yeah, so part one, I am dastardly with my thoughts in general i like it a lot but i'm scared that they picked what could have been a full story right there made it short which is fine and then now there's more happening and i'm scared that it won't be as good because i loved it
1: yeah you think like that's peak and now knowing that they're not in that house anymore you know you're like damn no, that there goes that peak. <laughs>
0: yeah, and <laughs> we we'll can't see.
1: maintain peak. If yeah, they can maintain yeah. peak, then I'm impressed. I love that that last. I, I somehow the page cut off that last sentence, and I thought that um, they didn't. They said they didn't need a large room, just one big enough for a bed and a few things. Was the last sentence of part one, and then I scrolled down and saw they lasted ten days. We moved on the 11th. That was like. There it is.
0: Yeah, it's like, that ending. what's going to happen? Yeah.
1: one, yeah. And I like that. Yeah, uh, part two
0: is called The Aftermath. After writing my account of a horrific incident I had as an eight-year-old child, many have encouraged me to speak about the aftermath. I've been hesitant to do so as I felt unsettled since I broke my silence. Sleep has not come easy to me these past few nights. My skepticism, however, remains resilient, and as such I will tell of what I experienced in the other room. This won't be as long as what occurred only took place over a few days, but that was more than enough for me. As you recall, after that unwelcome nightly visitor left me, I moved into another bedroom a year later. This room was much larger than the previous one, and had a warm and welcoming atmosphere to it. Some places feel bad. The room before felt foul, but this one did not. Thankfully I was given a normal bed. The previous one was taken apart and thrown out, a welcome sight I might add. I loved my new room, I enjoyed the space for all of my toys, I was happy that the place was large enough to have my friends drop by, but most of all, I was relieved just to be out of that uneasy, foreboding part of the house. On the first night, I slept more soundly than I had done for a long, long time. Of course, I still moved to my bed several feet from the wall. I told my mother that I and my friends liked to use the gap between the bed and the wall as a hiding place when we were playing. I woke the next day feeling refreshed and relaxed. As I lay there watching some of my favorite cartoons on a small portable television, I noticed something on. An old dark brown armchair, which had always been there, sat at the foot of my bed, large and looming.
1: What is that, uh, the second Conjuring
0: movie? Where there's an old isn't man that, in the chair?
1: Isn't that the chair? A yep. large brown armchair?
0: Yep, it totally is.
1: I mean, this story, I, th- I do believe this story has some pedigree, so I think this came
0: out before that. And even if not, it still, it still works. It still works. It was frayed and worn, having been given to us as part of a suite by my cousin. And it had been used many times even by then. The chair itself was not unusual, but what unsettled me by it was that I could have sworn that before I'd went to sleep, the chair had been facing away from the bed. Now, in the cold light of day, the chair was facing me. I assumed one of my parents had moved it while I slept probably looking for something that had been left there before we switched rooms. The second night was not as restful. It was around 11 PM and I could hear my parents' television from the other side of the house. The room was largely in darkness, the only illumination an orange hue drifting through my window from the street lights outside. I laid there content, content until I heard something quiet yet unmistakable. At first I thought it was the sound of my own breath exhaling and inhaling as I rested, but then I stopped for a moment The quiet, almost inaudible sound of something in the room breathing in and out did not cease. It continued, rhythmic and without pause. I lay there in the darkness, but I was still recovering from the terror installed in me from my experiences in the previous bedroom. I was not entirely afraid. The breathing was so distant and unlike the wheezing I had heard during my encounter, with that thing in the wall that I remained calm, and even at my early age I believed that it was so subtle that it was probably my imagination playing tricks on me. Still I took no chances, I stepped out of the bed, walked across the room, and turned the lights on. The sound had gone. I stared at the old worn armchair facing the foot of my bed, which was within reaching distance of where I slept, and turned it round to face the other way. I had no real reason to do so, but something about it sitting there filled me with dread. The third night, I was not so fearless. Again, I awoke in darkness. Lying on my back, I stared up the ceiling, which seemed to happily absorb the dimming orange light from the street. The tree outside my window swayed in a calm breeze, casting a strange light collection of improbable moving shadows across my room. I could hear nothing but the long and distant hum of the city's night traffic. Just as I began to drift back into sleep, I heard it. A creep from the bottom of my bed as if something had moved or shifted its weight on the floor. I raised my head, peering through the darkness, but nothing was strange. Everything sad as it had done before that day, nothing was out of place. I cast my gaze across the room, some comics on the floor, a few boxes which still had been unpacked, the armchair unmoved still facing away from the bottom of the bed. There was nothing sinister here. And I was now fully awake, glancing over at my television considered whether or not to enjoy some late night TV. I'd have to keep the volume low, of course, as my older brother would hear it the next room and no doubt tell on me to switch it off. Just as I sat up fully in bed I heard it again, a low creak accompanied by a sound, the sound of the slightest of movements. I looked again at the room, the dim shadows cast by the leaves hanging from my bed now took on a more menacing form. I still saw no reason to be afraid stared at the chair at the end of my bed and saw nothing unusual about it. It's quite common for the mind to take a moment to fully come to terms with what it's seeing. It takes time to pull the full horror of what's in front of you together into a cold, bitter realization. Yes, I was staring at that old worn armchair in the dark, but what I was also staring at was a person sitting in it. In the dim light, I could see only the outline of the back of the head, the rest obscured by the spine of the chair. I sat motionless, staring, praying, hoping that my eyes were being misled by their surroundings. The slow creak of movement, as it shifted in its battered throne, chilled me to my very core. This was no mere trick of the dark. Then it shifted onto its right side. I knew what it was doing. It was turning to look at me. It was difficult to make out, for even in that room it seemed darker than everything around it. I saw that I saw what looked like a collection of long fingers slipping over the crest of the chair, and then another. The room was silent, but for the sound of this thing shuffling in its seat and the crash of my racing heart. At first I could only make out the outline of its forehead, but then it began to rise up revealing two pinpoints of light in the dark recesses of its deeply set eye sockets. It was staring at me. I screamed, and within a moment my brother and my mother came into the room, switching the light on, asking if I had another bad dream. I sat speechless, barely acknowledging them, staring intently at the now empty armchair. I was only in that room for another few days before we suddenly moved. I saw nothing for the remaining nights except for my last sleep in that room where I awoke to the warm air of something breathing in my ear. (laughs) I jumped out of bed, turning the light, the slow rhythmic breath of something unseen remained. Louder than before, I spent the rest of the night on the couch in the living room. Two years later, I slept soundly in my bed in our new house. There had been no other incidences, and I was sure I'd left behind whatever strangeness had plagued me in that little average suburban home. I was, however, left one parting gift, my tormentors, and in my opinion, the watcher in the armchair was a different entity to the thing in the elongated room. It had one surprise left in store for me. Like an animal claiming its territory, I was not entirely out of their grasp. For one last terrifying moment, I felt the presence of those things. I lay there sound asleep. Two years since those horrific moments, I was in the throes of a nightmare and suddenly, happily, found myself awake, safe and sound in my bed. The room was darker than usual. I breathed a sigh of relief as one does when waking from a nightmare, but the room was so dark. I could see nothing at all, as if something had snuffed out the light. I chuckled to myself, realizing that I must have pulled my blanket up over my face while I was sleeping. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, silly blanket, come back up to bed. A silly blanket, you're so funny. You're my favorite blanket.
0: You're my favorite blanket. Tell me another joke. Ha 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 ha. ha. <laughs> the cotton blanket felt cool against me, but the air was a little too warm, almost stifling. Just as I was about to remove the blanket for some air I heard it. For the last time I heard it. The rhythmic breathing of the watcher at the end of my bed. Fear gripped me, following by anger and despair. Why could I not be left alone? I then did something most peculiar. I decided to speak to it. Perhaps this thing did not mean harm. Perhaps it was unaware of the terror it had caused. Surely a young boy deserves some mercy. As the breathing grew louder and closer, I began to cry. I could feel its presence on the other side of the blanket, its breath hanging over me like a stagnant wind. Through the tears, I uttered two words, words which surely put an end to all of this. Please stop.
1: Please stop. Please stop. Please. Please. P- please stop.
0: Hey, demons! It's your boy. Please stop. The breathing began to change. It began to become more animated, quicker somehow. I could hear something shuffling next to me, standing close by. No thanks. The that's breathing. That's when I start
1: swinging arms. Yeah, swing, <laughs> swing all like, your to you you Come at me, motherfucker!
0: It's got a material. At I, some I sleep point. with a
1: sword next to me.
0: Just. <laughs> I sleep with a katana that has the words <laughs> "no" on it. <laughs> No. Do you really? No, I don't. I would love that. But that would have been hilarious. I do
1: actually sleep with a short sword next to me,
0: like a like a short. I hope time one day an intruder intruder comes in and you can just be like of all houses, I do too. Me too. Okay. The breathing. The bu- 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 breathing, The breathing began <laughs> to change.
1: You, I see you, <laughs> so I in the that, background. Read that again. Goes, it's like <laughs> he's like, oh, got to scare you again. Got to wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I <pulled> my foot, <laughs> my,
0: little, my little greasy hair. So,
1: is the worst part of the movie. I know.
0: The breathing began to change. It became more animated quickly somehow. I could hear something shuffling next to me, standing close by. The breathing then moved, first back to the foot of the bed and then slowly across the room, through the door, into the hallway, and then gone. See you. Peace. Half crying, half elated, I lay in the still darkness, my face still covered by the blanket. You may consider this a victory of some sort, but I do not. If those things were real, I know now beyond a shadow of a doubt that their intentions were not misconstrued. They were twisted, filled with malice. I would normally never use such a word to describe anything, but it's as close to evil as I ever hoped to come. How do I know that? I'll tell you. Moments after that thing seemed to have left the house, something pressed forceful down on top of me, pushing the blanket with great strength against my face. I could feel a large hand with long fingers wrapping the covers around my skull. Its nails imprinted upon me like razor-sharp ridges. I managed to slide down into the gap between the bed and the wall, quickly making my escape, clambering and screaming out of my room, waking my family. Make no mistake, the thing in the darkness tried to smother me, tried to smother me to death.
1: So, I think... I think part three's title is kind of how I feel right now. Because, <laughs> like, it, part two kind of went the direction that we said we didn't want it to go in. Like, you know, it's like... Now it's just more like, oh, well, that thing happened to me at night. Here's, an, here's another thing that happened to me at night. You know, I just... I didn't think when I when I thought this, this was a series, like a five-part story, I thought it would, like carry some initiative, but it seems like this long-fingered, ghosty trope acts far differently and far more weirdly than the, uh, than the wall being. Or do you think they're the same thing, just doing different things?
0: No, I think the one sitting on the chair versus the one from the wall. Yeah. The one that left the room then maybe was protecting him.
1: Isn't that interesting?
0: Because when he was, like... Please stop. The thing was like, oh, okay, you want to die? Go for it. He just left the room and then the thing that was against the wall, seemingly maybe, because that thing never attacked him, right? Wouldn't that be something? But then the thing from the wall... So
1: maybe they do have more in common. Maybe they're different. Maybe they're different spirits, but like one of them... One of them isn't quite as malevolent,
0: or it's also malevolent, but it's more of a sinister. But, like, yeah, but it's more of a chill. It's more sinister. of a chill malevolent.
1: It's, it's more like, like, hey, all right, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fucking choke you, and I'm not gonna fucking try and smother you with a blanket, but you know you could be nicer next time. Bye. And then runs down the street. Pretty much, he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go <laughs> see like, my sorry, friend. Sorry, you couldn't sleep. There's like guess, one tear going I'll rolling down I'll, his
0: face. I guess I'll go home.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seemed like Whoa.
0: It, it seemed like if it was evil, it was more like I like scaring people because it feeds on it feeds me. But like, you
1: know, you know what else I gotta say? Yeah. I'm glad that we're reading like a ghost story for once. You I'm know, glad like. Too. Yeah. Maybe this one's so well known just because it's some classic bullshit ghost stories. Yeah. You know, and it's it's not quite Alvin Schwartz ghost stories, but it's not like it's it's poltergeist shit.
0: No, yeah, it's this thing's doing something to it's, me. It's pretty cool. Try to learn more about it.
1: It's funny we were talking about Insidious because that's probably the most well known ghost bullshit thing that's going on. Pretty much in the last couple of years. But anyway, Ouija um,
0: dab on Ouija. Though, did you like Ouija? No, it's awful.
1: Okay, some people say the the second one wasn't bad.
0: It actually isn't bad. I haven't the, watched it. So I just hated the first one. Yeah, so the first one's like a two out of ten, yeah. and that's only because it a one out of ten means it exists and doesn't have sound, right? Yeah. Or two out of ten's like it has sound. You know, it's a movie. It has picture <laughs> and it has sound. Yeah, they got it. Like they did it yeah. right. Cool. But then like this is like a five, passable. Or maybe even a six is in like there's one or two moments where like at one my F
1: my F is like a four and lower. I it's a a D. It's a solid D then. I put a five a five out of ten for me is saying that the movie is watchable. Yeah, six is saying it does notable things of service. Seven means average. Didn't surprise. Didn't upset. I would say eight and
0: higher are different varies of like I enjoyed it. Okay. For me it's a little Then pulled down Because five is your seven Like my five is This movie exists I watch it Like I don't really get much out of it But I don't Take anything out, Like n- neither way It's like That's my cause a lot of Okay Because yeah. a lot of people A five is like Awful You know what I'm saying
1: I disagree I think we need to stop We need to stop Like America grade scaling things I, I think, know I hate I it I think ones and twos at, On like a scale On like a new scale rescaling the scale people, ones and twos means shit. Yeah. Okay? Threes and forms means shit, but not like ones and twos shit. Okay?
0: They still do something it's a step. It's
1: a step up, but it's still shit. Yeah. Okay, here's a good analogy. Troll 2, it's like a one and two on a critical scale. On an enjoyment scale, probably more like a five or a six. On a critical scale, troll 2, like A movie that shouldn't exist because every facet of it is fucking terrible. Special effects, writing, acting, cinematography, everything in that movie is shit. Three or four, The Room. You know, it it tries to do things that movies do. Some of the characters are funny and endearing. Uh, Most of it's garbage. Yeah. Five and six, Twilight. Twilight. Yeah. it's Hollywood trying to do Hollywood some action set pieces are nice the CGI can be cool the acting while laughable has some moments and the sur- the, the story is serviceable 7 and 8 Christopher Nolan
0: movies watch how people that's just know. what I mean Like are people gonna slap you
1: no it's just like the better side of cinema to like Zack Snyder which is like the lesser side of cinema he's more in my 6 to 7 range um, and then 9 and 10 is, like, you know, your exceptions. The things that really deserve the notoriety. Green Room! Green Room is definitely in, in the higher 8s to 9s for me. I love Green Room so much. Yeah, but it's a beautiful horror movie.
0: Yeah, and on that point of, like, movie scale, when you look at a lot of horror movies nowadays, mm-hmm. they Hollywood bastardize it, and it ends up they all end up being, like, 4s and 5s and 6s. And a Ouija Yeah Yeah the
1: first Ouija is somewhere in the threes and fours
0: Yeah and then the new Ouija luckily I don't know how I can't even
1: say it was watchable
0: No it wasn't And then the second Ouija is like a five Five and a half Because there's one or two moments where you're like Frick But then the rest of it's like Why does this exist It's not as bad Okay
1: That's kind of where I'd put the two Annabelle movies It's like It's like yeah it's creepy They do a lot of good things with the camera
0: Then it also Um, sucks
1: But the acting is fucking terrible Yeah And uh, the special effects are questionable i put
0: the first Annabelle even i put it like a three or four That
1: one's That one's definitely less than The The
0: second one one had better production quality
1: Cared more about Where the story was going Yeah Cared more about the the characters The twist at the end is nice
0: The twist is good The movie Not great No Uh,
1: They do a lot of stupid The characters uh, Intentions are stupid Oh yeah, uh, everything they do is stupid. Well, it's
0: their intentions are literally. If you to move find the plot. yourself
1: asking why during any point of Annabelle creation, I mean, I guess you deserve to be sitting where you're sitting. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the only other things I wanted to ask about is um, more impressions. I, I want to start doing this thing where I stop talking about movies I've watched because I tend to forget about them. We record so sporadically. Yeah, I, definitely. I can't even remember you know horror movies that I watched recently. Except for one, uh, Houses That October Built uh, really disappointed me. Anyway. Always garbage. It's not garbage, but, like, it's kind of garbage. It's a three or four. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I did have a point. I said it's shit. It's like the room. Yeah, it's shit. Yeah, Houses October Built was pretty shit. Anyway, not even giving the second one a chance. I heard it's worse, which for me is like...
0: (laughs) Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So... Uh, I want to start talking about movies that are coming out, which is why I asked about Slender Man. But I have to ask about a, a couple others. Uh, yeah, go for, go. I loved The Strangers. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you like Strangers, the first one?
0: So the first Strangers is one of my first go-to horror movies. horror movies that have a weird. For me, it's like a six
1: or a seven. For you, I imagine it's more like a seven or eight. That's
0: definitely an eight for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm you into were, slow. You were saying though.
0: I love slow-building... Like, the movies that we watched... And I had a higher rating than you was... Um, the... Black Coat's Daughter. Also known as February. Sure. For me, that was another eight. It was... And it sat on me. And it grew mm-hmm. on me. The I I love slow-burn movies. Especially ones where... It doesn't matter if they live or die. It's about that weird journey... And the uncomfortable atmosphere. And oh, no. I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Sure, I'm all about that. And with Strangers. Um, strangers for
1: me... what I What I like... The most about it is it upsets stereotypes. It upsets every horror stereotype, and it's pretty brutal. It's very uh, funny games, which in, in I like more sense, than funny games. It's better than funny games. First off, funny games I think is based off a book, which pads too much shit, and,
0: and funny games is UK and US shit. version.
1: There is that difference. Yeah, strangers is just a one-off horror, but it's so brutal in its, in its premise that I kind of. So I have to bring up the new one, it's uh Strangers Pray at Night or Night Night Prey, whatever the fuck.
0: There's the word night in it. It's lying, huh? Pray
1: at Night, I think it's called it's fucking stupid. I hate bylines. Just just call it strangers too or something. Or strangers. Again. No.
0: No, please don't. Just strangers too.
1: Yeah, I I'm okay with that. It's the same masks, it's the same people. Like they're not even hiding it. Like, why give it the 80s vibe, first off? Like, the um, the thing I don't like is that they're making it almost funny or gimmicky at points. Did you watch the trailer for the new one?
0: No. Did you know a new one was coming? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've not seen the trailer. I know because yeah, I sold the, trailer, the headlines for it.
1: It uses Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now song, I think, once or twice. And they chop it up at one point to a, to a nice effect, but... It just feels gimmicky because it doesn't feel genuine. And the movie Strangers was so dreadful for me. Like, it it felt sick to watch uh, at points. And I I don't want a your next vibe from Strangers. I want darker. If we can get darker, I want them to go darker. You know, if you want to watch your next, go fucking watch your next. I agree. Anyway, the other one I wanted to ask about was um, Truth or Dare. Have you seen
0: the trailer? Yes. Yeah.
1: So the smiles are creepy.
0: Uh, yeah, that was the one redeeming part for me was I like
1: I like that.
0: I love the triangle absolutely love like, that really uncomfortable just smile building up, and you know, yeah, it looks. I dislike CGI, that
1: they smile before they kill themselves. I think that looks stupid.
0: I think they did that hopefully only just for this right for the trailer like to show it to us looking at the camera so. sort of thing Like, I don't think so like
1: when uh, that when that kid does that stupid smile before he fucking steps on a pool ball and cracks his neck on the other pool table I fucking laugh because it just looks so stupid yeah he shouldn't be smiling he should be like final destination he should be like oh shit I'm gonna die like <laughs> yeah, you know it's, like that's the one thing is like when they're when they're in their death point like they failed they're truth or dare, they shouldn't they the see it coming. Yeah, like why does why do they smile weird? Like they shouldn't see it coming. Because it's a gimmick. Just, they should just fucking ride. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because they should have made it just the creepy people are smiling at them. But not I, that they. But with it, I
1: taste this. um... I taste this. Oh, we're gonna get a couple of these.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because or truth or dare. What's gonna happen is the movie. The first movie is gonna do not crazy but decently well. It's gonna do okay. Yeah, and then the second movie um, It's gonna subvert things and do some crazy things. Oh, at least I they're gonna try. It's still to me the second movie. This is obviously way far if they'd even make it. But the second one is the kind of movie where they'd try to make really good stuff. So then you're excited for the third one. Like the first, second one won't be good, but it'll be way better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Like it'll be like a five instead or six instead of a three. Mm-hmm. And then the third one will suck again because sure. you get excited. They get a bigger budget, but then it's yeah. all wasted on actors and on marketing, not on actual. Yeah. <laughs> budget, budget.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, guess, I guess that goes back. Like, it goes the two ways. It's like we either get our, you know, our T2 aliens or we get our, uh, like, Scream 2, Friday the 13th, you know, yeah. is equal. <laughs> you know, it's horror. It could go two ways. I think that's going to end the part one of bedtime. We'll come back and we'll do a part two another time.
0: Yeah, and it's gonna be great because there's more to the story. There's three more parts. There's three more parts. And we're gonna do it all night, in one part. And we're and, and nighttime scoops. So just we'll, Yeah, we'll, we'll we're very excited again. for it. Okay. We'll see. Get it. Get some. I like the it. and I like the
1: so much weed you put in and I get more.